What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raised a Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. We have a packed show this week, including Falcon Winter Soldier Episode 3, the premiere of Invincible, a brief history of Mortal Kombat, and everything we are geeked out for this week. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. Right, man, here we are, issue three of the Raised a Geek podcast. Had a great reception for the first couple. We're getting blown up on Twitter. Everything's going great. Once again, I'm Chris. I'm here with Don. What's going on, man? How you doing today? This week? How was your week? Chris, what's happening, man? Not a bad week. Can't complain too much. Uh, here we are, Saturday again. My favorite day of most weeks. Just uh, doing some relaxing, you know. Went to the gym earlier today, uh, planned to watch some, the final four this weekend, college basketball into that, get my little sports fix going along with Baseball's back, MLB opening weekend. Yeah, that's fun too. So even though I can't watch the Cubs because of uh, politics and cable (laughs) companies and stuff like that. So they never made a deal with Marquee? Marquee never got on anything? I mean, they're on Comcast and like AT and T, like the big cable networks. But I refuse to uh, pay for those services anymore. Especially, mm-hmm. I don't watch a ton of TV outside of you know my little things here and there. So it's hard to justify me paying that much money just to watch baseball. So I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'm always a Cubs fan. They've been my team my whole life, but. Uh, might be listening to the games on the radio a lot this year. That's I'm taking a stand, man. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. I, I'm currently subscribed to Sirius, so I have my Cubs channel bookmarked. So that's kind oh, of that's what cool. I do. I can yeah. put them on living in Texas. I mean, I can't get I can rarely watch any of them anyway, unless they're national right. games. Now I can sign up for MLB.tv and that'll push it through. But uh I can't uh I can't bring myself to spend $130 or whatever no. ridiculous price it is. Now halfway through All-Star break, I like to subscribe when they start putting this back half of the season on sale for like 40 bucks. Yeah. And I'll kind of watch the back half, but I can't 100 and some 40 I can I can fake. Right. 120, nah, nah. Yeah. That that's pushing it, man, and like with that those MLB packages for me, if I tried to get that, I think they like block out the local black out the local games, so I yep. couldn't even watch them that way. It's, yep. it's just they make it so hard to watch now. So it's like, oh, well, yeah, until they figure something out. Speaking yeah. of Chicago, I was watching, I guess my dad posted something on Facebook from Barstool Sports where they uh-huh. had the pizza guy who was going yeah. around eating pizza. And he went to Aurelio's in Homewood where we grew yeah. up and tried yeah. their pizza. Did you see that video or? Uh, I didn't see that one. I know he, uh, Dave Portnoy, like the guy, Barstool Sportsman guy, he was in Chicago for a while because they opened like a Barstool Sportsbook at one of the casinos in Aurora. So he was here like promoting that. And I did see he was going around to like local pizza places like Peace in Chicago. And I think he went to like Vito and Nick's, but I didn't see the Aurelio's one, which is like our favorite pizza place. Still mine to this day. Like I love that's still the best pizza, man. I don't care what anybody says. And that was what he said. He made this weird face and was like, what is this? And he was like, yeah. look at all this cheese. And he basically said it was like 
onion, French onion soup with the cheese <laughs> on the top. And he said, yeah. that's what it tasted like to him. And he was like, it's okay. It's a definitely an acquired taste. He said, I can understand if you grew up with this and were raised by this. He said, I can understand how you could just defend this pizza to death. But he was like, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Was, he doesn't know what he's talking about. No, absolutely not. It's fantastic. He's wrong. Yeah, he's wrong. Yeah, he's just wrong. And so I was sitting there now looking, looking up uh, Chicago-style pizza. Like, how can we get that crust? How can right. we get that cheese? How close can we get to an Aurelio's pizza? So that's that's dinner tonight because I'm I, I after watching him, I was salivating watching him chew this pizza. So uh, I don't blame you, man. It's the sauce too. The sauce of Aurelio's is like crazy good. Yeah, that's that's just good good stuff, and it is one <laughs> of the things I miss that it's just not uh, recreatable. I know there's yeah. a better word, but I couldn't come it, to what I was doing. It's not the same in Texas. I bet pizza wise, no. Yeah, I, Pizza, pizza here is Pizza Hut, Domino's, yeah. Papa John's. I mean, we do have some pizzerias, but there's no like Texas pizza style. It's all just right. trying to do different. Um, New York, Chicago. I mean, there are some Chicago pizza places here, but I'm not the biggest deep dish fan. I just no. that's not what I like. Too yeah. much cheese and just too much, just too much. I just don't like deep dish, and uh, that's what they everyone wants to recreate Chicago yeah. style deep dish. And I'm like, I don't want deep dish. I want the thin. And it's something mm-hmm. that unless you live in Chicago, you don't realize that that's people don't eat deep dish pizza in Chicago. No. You know, people are visiting, and that's what they want to eat. Right. Regular, on the regular, you're, we're eating that thin crust. Yeah, pizza for real Chicagoans, like you said, is like tavern style. And people who think it's like deep dish, no, that's for tourists who like come here and they're like, oh, Chicago pizza, it looks like a pie. Ugh, I gotta try this, but we, we eat that like once a year. We don't we don't eat. Yeah, that when every- you come to our house and say I want deep dish pizza, and I'm like, fine. <laughs> All right, this pizza's better. No, 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 we want deep dish, but right. <laughs> we gotta we gotta move on i could talk about pizza in chicago all day but yeah. we got a packed show so much stuff to talk about but first let's take care of a little bit of, bit of business as i said at the top of the show i want to thank everybody who's been flooding to our uh raised a geek twitter handle um we had so many people already take place in some polls and uh really starting to share their voices and we're super excited and thrilled that so fast so many people are really jumping on board the geek train we are taking out of the station yeah, thank you guys. Big uh, appreciation. Yeah, so let's keep that going. We are now on most podcast services, your Apple, your Google, your Spotify. So definitely show your love. Hit us up. We're looking for five stars. So definitely get those reviews out there for us. Uh, give us some good ones. We'll read them on the show. So definitely uh, don't worry about you know what you say. Just kind of show that creativity and uh, you might get read on the show. So definitely do that. Make sure you shoot us an email at one. I almost did it again. Share us an email at raisedageek at gmail.com. I'll get that out of my system here in a little bit. You will. Uh, you, know, you know, it's just I get I get rolling. You just get rolling in that. You know, business is business no matter what kind of show you're doing. So, yep. But raisedageek at gmail.com and raisedageek on Twitter. So definitely throw us some follows, some rates, some reviews, and keep let's keep the love going. Yes, sir. All right. With that out of the way. Let's jump into some news this week. This was a crazy week, as they all tend to be. But what was even crazier was on April Fool's Day, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, after months, if not years, of silence on this movie, The Suicide Squad has popped up with a second trailer in a week. I mean, we were here last week talking about Suicide Squad trailer, finally seeing the Red Band trailer, which ended up overtaking the new Mortal Kombat movie for the most watched Red Band trailer ever. 
But now we got a second trailer for James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Uh, just watched it today. What What do you think? Is this too much, too soon? Cruel April Fool's joke? Do you wish it just would have went away? Well, how do you feel, Don? Tell me. Yeah, I, I found it interesting initially that there was another trailer with uh, new content so soon after the uh, first Red Band trailer. It, what is it? Not even a week. Yeah. Uh, so we got yeah we got some new um, new new stuff going on in the trailer. I guess some more more stylized action. Uh, more this was like, more green. This was more Green Band trailer. Yeah. So it was a little bit more family friendly. They cut off, cut out the violence, cut out the language. Um, so it, it was a little bit cleaner, I guess, more family friendly. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of what the point was. Maybe they thought that not as many like they wanted a, a trailer. Maybe you could show to the family and kids. Uh, you know, the, the scene is still in there. Maybe not the kids. I don't know because it's going to be an R-rated movie, so it's not really for kids anyway. But just more for yeah, they'll still yeah. be there. Oh, they'll sure. still be there. It's like when I went and saw Watchmen back in theaters in the day, and people were dragging their kids out when. Dr. Manhattan showed up with all his blue penis glory and everyone's running their kids out of the theater. And I'm just laughing in the back, pointing at him yeah. going, it's rated R. Why didn't you, yeah. you know, you shouldn't have had them in here in the first place. Yeah. But, I don't want them. Yeah. You could totally tell some differences. Like, uh, the, it was the same King shark clip where he, uh, was eating a guy, but you know, they cut it short. So you didn't see it. And not as much, still people getting shot, but not as much blood. King shark wasn't ripping a guy in half this time. So you could tell those differences, but mm. I still think it had some great, um, good-looking new footage, uh, some featuring some some stuff we didn't see before, like more with John Cena's Peacemaker character, uh, him with another joke in there, and some action, some fighting from him, which is cool. I think that character looks pretty cool, and John Cena, uh, just from what I know and what I've seen of him, he, he can be a pretty funny guy, so I think he's going to be a good addition to that. Uh, we saw some action from like the polka dot man, some, some of his powers and uh, Nathan Fillion's character, I guess got revealed is like, I looked it up. It's called, he's called like arm fall off boy or detachable kid or something like that. (laughs) Did you see in that trailer, the guy with his arms off? I saw that, but I didn't put, I didn't put any of that together. I was just like, all right. Yeah. I guess that was Nathan Fillion. People been wondering who he's going to play. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it looks cool to me. Um, just i guess it increased my interest in the movie a little bit a little more uh what what were your thoughts on it yeah it was about the same i'm kind of like all right i get the tone i get the theme i see where they're going with it seeing the red band gives me a better feel of the tone knowing from a violence perspective where they're really headed and how they're going to take this um so it was very it's i'm glad to see both this one was a little bit more story a little they're still kind of keeping their cards close to their chest so I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I was always going to be interested. I'm, I am a little bit more interested than I thought I would be. I really mm. didn't have my expectations, and there still are going to be low. Um, the Suicide Squad, just as a, a group, has never been on my radar as something really huge. They put out that one DC animated movie right around the same time that the last Suicide Squad came out, and I really enjoyed that movie, and I enjoyed it much better than David Ayer's Suicide Squad. I was like, why couldn't they just do this? This would have been so much better. But um, that was pretty much where I was at with it. So, I mean, I'm down whether or not it's whether or not it's going to be worth going to the movies for because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's going to be on HBO. So I can just watch it at home. And you're, we're hoping by August 
going to the movies. I, I would hope I've been to the movies by August and feel comfortable. And, you know, we got stuff under control by August. Yeah. So August going to the show to see it would I hope is a viable option. And I still don't know if it's going to be worth if I want to drop money on it or not. I think the reviews will really come into play if it starts getting glowing reviews and sitting at 90 on it, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and just kind of really shows a turnaround for the, the franchise and the content. Um, I might, but yeah, right now it's still just a oh, watch it at home for free. Cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I kind of have I'm, HBO excitement for it at the moment. Yeah, I feel the same way with the like emergence of watching new movies at home with all the HBO Max. I was like, why wouldn't I? I'm, I mean, I got a big enough TV and a decent sound system, so I can almost recreate it anyway. And then I can like have my own snacks and own beer, and yep. I don't have to shell out all that extra money and drive somewhere. So I don't know. I, yeah, I see that being an HBO max one for me regardless. We'll see though. Yeah. We'll just, I mean, we'll have to see, I, but I don't need to see more. I'm good. Sure. I don't need, I don't need a trailer three. I don't need more insight. Oh. Like I'm good now. I've seen enough keep, I don't, and anything else I think is just going to be too much. So hopefully this is the last time we sit here on this show and talk about the suicide squad trailer, but another trailer that just dropped and we're going to cuff this one and just improv this one all the hell because it just dropped like a couple hours ago. So we've got to watch it. We haven't had time to really put much thoughts together, but the MCU and Disney dropped a black widow trailer. So a new trailer to pump up their July 9th release date, as well as the Disney plus premiere. And uh, what did this this trailer was a little bit more story driven. It was it was showing Natasha and the Black Widow kind of running around a lot of like Avengers footage. And it was just a lot of voiceover just talking about her past and her past. And this is what's made me and this is what created me. And a lot of present tense talk that she did throughout this trailer while she was showing stuff from the past. And then they kind of showed the back half just showing the family between the Romanoffs and just her, her parents and her sister and where this is going. So it was a very character and story driven trailer. Um and then, like I said, it ended, as I told you, kind of weird with a, a quote that she said, which basically said, I will not let my past define me anymore. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, in the beginning of this trailer, they showed you die. So I would <laughs> imagine your past isn't going to define you at all. So it's a yeah. weird, as we've talked about here before, it's a weird timeline thing. Like, why is this movie coming out? What is it doing? Is it going to bring her back to life? Are we bring, going into Loki territory? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And uh, but how did you feel about this trailer? New, new Black Widow look. I mean, now uh, we're, now we know the date, when it's coming, when we're going to be able to see it, if we're willing to shell out 30 bucks or go to the movies. How you feel, man? Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since uh, the last Black Widow trailer, so this was like kind of a surprise today. I didn't even know about it until you like sent me a text saying, hey, man, check it out. Black Widow trailer just dropped 30 minutes ago. I was like, what? But yeah, so uh, it, it kind of renewed same as the suicide squad trailer did it kind of increased my interest level in the movie a little bit uh some new action like you said some is more character driven stuff showing her family being more featured and uh my biggest thing was i liked seeing more taskmaster like i talked about before like he's heavily featured in the trailer and I, i've always thought he's like a cool character from marvel um yeah, showing him fighting some of those fight scenes in the trailer. We're like, whoa, this is cool. This is dope. Like when they're float flying through the air, he tackles her on the aircraft or whatever. I was like, man, this is, this looks cool. It like looks like it's definitely a, a Marvel movie. Uh, so I don't know. It it 
it definitely increased my interest. That's the main takeaway from just, it. A just bit. say you're ready to see it. You're uh, ready to drop thirty bucks on Disney Plus premiere to watch it. You just you you're all in now. Just I, I probably okay. will. I probably <laughs> will. I tell myself that I won't, but like I probably will. I mean I don't know. It's going to be a game time decision, like we've talked about before. I'm going to see it, but is it like the 30 bucks when it comes out? Like, I got to see it the day, the weekend it comes out, or can I wait and see if it's going to come to Disney Plus regular? Or just go to the theater, or just buy a ticket to go to the theater and see it, you know? Yeah, try to just go see it on a random, you know, Wednesday or something. Uh, I did look on Disney Plus when I was watching Falcon and Winter Soldier episode three, and, uh, I looked at Raya and the Last Dragon, which mm. is currently Disney Plus's premiere offering, and I clicked on it just to see the details on that. And they said it was the thirty dollars that they wanted to do that to watch it now, or they said, or it'll be available on Disney Plus on June fourth. Okay, May fourth, May fourth, May fourth, because it was two months, so it came out on March fourth, and they're giving it basically two months, and then it'll be on Disney Plus. So, and I believe Mulan was the same way. I'm not sure of any other, I can't remember any other Disney premieres that they've done between those two. So, I mean, you would assume if they're going to keep that going, then we're looking at July 9th and then what August, September 9th would be the Disney Plus premiere for Black Widow without having to drop the 30. So I'm really curious if they give that information away when you're trying to make that purchase and see if it's worth it or not. Yeah, that that could be something if it follows that same uh, kind of blueprint then I don't know. Would it be worth just waiting? And I don't know. We'll see. That, that, gonna, could be a, that could be a thing, too, of them, you know, knowing that uh, HBO Max is dropping Suicide Squad in late August. So it's like, well, you guys got your superhero movie with a subscription. Here's ours with a subscription to, like, do a co- competing thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we got plenty of time. And I'm sure this isn't the last time we're going to talk about and and you're going to listen to a struggle of whether or not to drop 30 bucks on Black (laughs) Widow to watch at home. Uh, Moving over into the DC world for DC films, uh, Wonder Woman 1984's Connie Nielsen uh, did an interview, I believe, with The Hollywood Reporter, where she weighed in on uh, why the film Wonder Woman 1984 had such a lackluster reception. So let me read this quote here uh, that she gave to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, she said that the fact that the movie was moved so many times due to the pandemic put it under scrutiny that it did not deserve. It also, as a sophomore film, will always be compared to the one before. Uh, Nielsen played uh, Queen, Queen Hippolyta in mm-hmm. 1984, um, and then she also went on to say that a lot of people were so willing to just critique certain elements instead of seeing it as a whole. And I think that as a whole, everything that happens in this film makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, and I think it's a beautiful film. So she said the pandemic hurt us, hurt the movie because our expectations were too high, as well as our expectations basically being too high because everyone loved the original Wonder Woman film. So how did how did those comments make you feel? She did she hit the she hit it on the head. Is that I mean, Wonder Woman 1984 is a masterpiece that we just waited too long for. I mean, my expectations weren't too high because. Uh, I was expecting a great movie because of I liked the se- the first one and because of the pandemic or whatever. My expectations were high just because I wanted a good movie because I'm a fan of, you know, good comic book movies. And that just wasn't one. It's not because the pandemic didn't isn't what caused that movie to suck. Uh, 
our expectations aren't what caused that movie to suck. I mean, just watching it, it was just not a good movie. I mean, she, I feel like she's just kind of making excuses and I mean, and she's going to do that. She's in the movie. She has to defend it, I guess. But I don't know those, she kind of missed the mark there with her reasoning. And I just don't even understand why she had to say anything at all. Like people just didn't like it. There's, a ton of bad reviews out there for it. I mean, some I, maybe some people did like it, but I don't know. I feel like she's kind of reaching with all those I th- comments. I, I think so too, and it doesn't really work for me because my expectations for this film were extremely low. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the trailers didn't do anything for me. I didn't like the fact that they showed Steve Trevor in the film because I didn't like the idea of him coming back because then you're dealing with weirdness, and I felt that they needed to leave him out. I thought bringing him back just hurt his death in the original, just from the trailer, without even knowing how or why they did what they were going to do. I didn't want that to be a story for this movie. I didn't want her tied to a man. I didn't, you know, so my expectations were super low, and I didn't even know if I was going to see this thing in theaters unless it got amazing reviews, like, you have to go see this movie. Then I would probably go, but at two and a half hours, with the reviews that it got, I would have never went to go see it. Like, I would have been like, I'll wait until it hits HBO for free, you know? That would have been my wait, and watching it, because I could, I jumped in and watched it, and it was terrible and it was terrible from like almost go and it never recovered and and never like tonally it's just was a disaster and so i mean waiting longer for it yeah maybe you know you could by the time you finally get to see it you're finally like oh my god yes finally it's here so that excitement can be ramped up a little bit more but that still doesn't change the fact it's that it's a bad movie all right, did did WandaVision suffer from the pandemic that everybody loved and everybody talked? I mean, like, everything got pushed back. It's not like this is a specific uh, thing that just affected Wonder Woman 84, so I don't even really understand that reasoning that, like, oh, well, all the delays are what caused... Well, everything's been delayed for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Like, everything that we thought was gonna, we were going to have in 2020 was delayed, so I don't understand uh, that line of thinking in the first place. I don't know, man. Just it just wasn't a good movie. Maybe they don't want to face those facts. I mean, we wanted a we just wanted a better Wonder Woman movie, and we didn't get one. So, I mean, what are you gonna yeah. do? It is <laughs> what it is, and that I I do have to make a correction. That was from a Den of Geek uh, article and interview. So definitely make sure you go and check that out over there and give them the click for that. The Hollywood Reporter touched on our next story, which was that. Uh, Robert Pattinson's The Batman takes place in DC's Earth 2. So this is an article from CBR, according to The Hollywood Reporter, where The Batman will take place on Earth 2. The concept of a cinematic multiverse will also be explored in the fellow upcoming DC blockbuster The Flash, which will utilize multiple universes to include both Ben Affleck and rumored Michael Keaton's version of The Batman, since Michael Keaton is playing coy on that now saying I haven't even read the script yet and everything else. So whether he's just trying to low key it or he may not fully be in yet, but so yeah, we, and we kind of speculated on this that, you know, which universe with these shared universes and now with the Snyder verse being there and DC Aquaman and all the post movies and the, still the flash coming, Gal Gadot still being wonder woman. Now we have Robert Pattinson as Batman are, they going to connect what's going to happen so now we have confirmation that it's we're in going to earth 2 to uh yeah. for the batman so how does the, how do you feel about that is that what you wanted to hear i feel like they kind of had to go that route um and say that because if not it's just another it would just be another batman reboot 
Uh, and it kind of is a Batman reboot, but now they're like working around where it's not necessarily one. And mm-hmm. I don't know, multiverse stuff and Earth 2, DC, and it's, it's all sounds pretty confusing to people who aren't maybe like comic book readers. Like that article, reading it as somebody who just likes Batman movies, like Earth 2, what are they talking about? Like, I thought this was just Batman, Gotham City. It's so it's, it's a little weird, you know, you got, so technically they want you to know that there's like a different world where this Batman's existing here, separate from, like you said, Gal Gadot and separate from Henry Cavill or whatever. And, uh, I mean, it's an interesting way to go. I I'm my interest movie in that level is pretty high. So that doesn't change that at all. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it was, it's cool to see. It's just like a little extra thing. Like, okay. It's super cool. And like I said, you get to see, we get to see a different version of the Batman. We get to see a younger version compared to the, like the dark Knight version that Ben Affleck was playing, which I really didn't have a problem with. Um, we got to see a little bit, like I said, we're going to see something different on top of the fact that this opens the door for potential crossovers for potential, a different justice league for a different casting. It's a way to, it's the way to kind of pass off some of these actors to something different. And the flash movie can still really impact that universe as well. And there's just a lot of fun that they can have in it. Instead of doing a shared universe to a shared multiverse, there's mm-hmm. a lot of cool things that you can do with that, of having the multiple earths and you can keep all your movies separate, but then you still have the ability to bring them together if you want to, or if you right. establish enough, interest in that you know that was the problem that dc did with their dceu was they tried to force this you know let's get to the avengers moment as fast as possible where marvel took 10 years to do it they Mm -hmm. wanted to rush to it and rush to it and rush to it and like how fast can we do it let's do it in let's do it in two movies you know they're like batman versus superman and the next movie's justice league and you're like wait what where's aquaman where's flash where's wonder woman like we didn't get any of that Right. I guess we did get a Wonder Woman before Justice League, but still, it was like that was part of the problem with Zack Snyder's Justice League was they were trying; it had to be four hours to fit in an origin story for Cyborg and an origin story for Aquaman and an origin story for the Flash. It's too much because they needed their movies. So this way, Flash can have his movie, Batman can have his movie. We could do another Wonder Woman. We can have a different. We can have two Aquamans. It's just it opens yeah. the door for something different than the MCU, which I think is cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh... And we'll find out in 2022 next year, I guess. The the movie looks great so far from the first trailer that they were able to film, like even with limited filming because of all the COVID uh, shutdowns. So I'm, I'm, and last I read, I thought, I think they're done filming that movie now. So patiently waiting up for a new trailer, some new content. I'd love to see more. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Give it to me. Yeah. Give it to me and then get the movie (laughs) so I can throw my money at it. And, uh, and go check out a new Batman movie, year two of Batman on Earth 2. So I am down for that. Yes, All right, man. Let's jump into uh, what we're here for. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode three, dropped yesterday. We're recording this on Saturday. Yes, uh, So we had the opportunity to jump in and watch it. Another hour of MCU in our veins. We are feeling it now, going straight from WandaVision into Falcon. We're, you know, making up for the past year of not have of having nothing year and a half or is it two years uh yeah because it was yeah july of 2019 when we had spider-man so yeah it'd be two years before we get one in the movie this is this is there but this this episode we had uh sam and bucky breaking baron zemo out of prison 
and I guess full spoilers for if you haven't watched it, turn around and watch it now. <laughs> if you haven't haven't watched it yet, stop it because you know that happens in the first couple minutes. But it's still you know we're gonna deep dive into this. So if yeah, you have spoiler warnings, spoiler, spoiler warnings. warnings before I get, go any deeper than I already did, as as I can hear people rage turning off the thing right now. <laughs> Damn it, Chris. But anyway, you've been warned. Uh, Sam and Bucky breaking Baron Zemo out of prison. They're heading for. Uh, trying to figure out who's creating the super soldier serum that we've seen uh, on display in the first two episodes, trying to figure it out. And Baron Zemo, as you know, has was basically captain American's big bad for the captain America movies. He was kind of the puppet master pulling the strings behind the scenes on civil war, created the whole civil war scenario for the, to make the, you know, heroes all come to blows. Uh, So Baron Zemo and Bucky and Sam team up to go on a road trip trying to figure out who is creating the super soldier serum across the country. And then there were lots of uh, big reveals coming in and out of this episode, but just overall reaction. How did you feel about just the episode? How did, how did, how did it, how does it rank? How did you, uh, and then we'll dive into the, what's, what happened Just some big, some big stuff. Sure. Yeah. My, my initial reaction is um, it's another pretty good entry into the series. Uh, I feel like the series has been pretty steady. Uh, It hasn't gotten too high yet as far as excitement level, but also at the same time, it hasn't gotten too low. So I feel like it's a nice, it's, it's been striking a nice balance uh, there for a very watchable show up to this point. Uh, I mean, we'll get into excitement levels later, but just like nothing about this episode, like super wowed me, but I also found myself, you know, paying attention the entire episode. So, you know, I feel like it was a pretty strong entry. I feel like, like you said, the road trip aspect of it, uh, we're getting a little further into that, them going out on the road and doing stuff. The introduction of Mad Rapport, uh, which I don't know if you brought up yet, but that was cool. I got I got a conversation coming up yeah. about Mad Rapport showing up and what that could mean for the MCU. So we'll definitely jump into that here in a minute. Yeah, so that that was cool. Um, I was the the best part of the episode to me is like the like you brought up the Baron Zemo Zemo stuff, getting more into him. Uh, I do like that character. I think he's you know a formidable villain, and he's finally getting his uh, you know his shine a little bit. He was there in Civil War, like you said, but used sparingly, kind of like the puppet master behind the scenes. But now we see him more out in the open. He's got his uh signature signature jacket and finally the signature purple mask uh which is definitely cool to see um so yeah those those are just kind of my initial thoughts before we get into it how about how about you yeah i i agree with most of that uh this was to my opinion the weakest of this episode so far this one really started to dive into procedural tv territory Mm -hmm. to me it was the first one that felt like a tv show um really starting to feel that procedural felt like I was watching an episode of the blacklist, you know, where it was just like, okay, you know, law and order. It's like, all right, we have to go ask this guy a question. Well, that guy's going to tell us where to go. And then we're going to go find Sharon and Sharon's going to turn up and she's going to just happen to have a party going on for where all of the people who have the answers that we need will be there. And after two minutes, she walks up and goes, Hey, I saw, I, I talked with, I know exactly what you need to know and where you need to go. Let's go. And then they went to that guy who told them exactly where they needed, you know, it was very TV procedural to me. So it was just kind of like, it was entertaining. It was well done. I have no, like, I don't really have complaints about it, but it, to me, it just was like, 
wasn't what I was expecting. And it made me nervous being that we're halfway through this already. And you're like, okay, right now my expectations are like, I don't really know where, where we're going, where the mystery is, what the, who's the bad guy who's doing, you know, he thought Baron Zemo was going to be the bad guy, but now he's teaming up so he could still turn. We have these flag smashers that may or may not be good guys. We have, you know, lots of other things coming up that I'm just like, I don't know where this show is going and we're already halfway through it. So it's just kind of like, but I still in my like bones, I just, am like, Oh, well the heroes will win and they'll this and that, you know? So it's just kind of one of those things where I'm waiting for that moment that makes me sit up. Yeah. And we'll talk about that when we get into invincible talk here in a little bit. But you know, I just did, I haven't had that moment yet that made me go sit up and go, wait, 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 what just happened? Yeah. I, I feel like they're kind of, saving that for to me they're setting up like we got baron zemo we knew he was going to be in the show from the posters and the early trailers but clearly as you can see he uh may not be the show's true big bad uh the the guy the the name they kept bringing up in this episode is like the power broker yeah uh who who's like the guy behind the super soldier serums and all that and we haven't seen who that is i feel like that's gonna be this show's like um agatha harkness moment where this is just me speculating like i have no idea nobody does but i feel like that'll be the moment i feel like they have to do the power broker as somebody we as and as people who've watched all mcu things like know who this person is and it's kind of like your oh shit moment where somebody pops up that you weren't expecting i feel like they're gonna get to that um so now is the power broker and the flag smashers the same thing? Uh, or are they is these separate groups? I think they're separate groups. I if I'm like putting that together the right way. Yeah. Like it seems like the flag smashers are the ones who stole from the power broker, maybe? Yeah. If that if that makes sense, I don't know. And and they were kind of painting the flag smashers to be villains at first. And then in the second episode, they seemed more. They made them more sympathetic to us. Like, oh, they're stealing vaccines and giving them to, uh, you know, these lesser f- fortuned people. But then in this episode, they like show them blowing up a bunch of innocent soldiers. So like, okay, what am I supposed to think about the this group? Are they good guys? Or are they bad guys? Like, what's happening? But yeah. I kind of confused with that. Yeah, and that's and that's where, like I said, talk about. I don't know where I'm, what I'm supposed to feel about anything so far in this show. It's like we did a new Captain America, okay, new Captain America. Where are they going to go with this? But then, then they kind of at the end of the second episode made it seem like he was going to be a dick, and we were going to be like, ugh. And I thought he was heading to be the bad guy. Then he was barely in this episode. Yeah, and we didn't have any direction as to what he was, what he was, or who he was, or you know, no, no further development in that character or what the point of him is outside of just being. Uh, you know, a symbol to hold the shield to bother Sam and Bucky, you know, so right now he's just an obstacle, but he's not more than that. And he, they didn't take this episode as an opportunity to create more with him. And then you have the flag smashers, which they go back and forth on. Now they're talking about the power broker. So I'm like, wait, are they the same? You know, just trying to figure out where I'm where I'm supposed to be looking right now. They're just like kind of throwing 52 card pickup in the air. And I'm trying yeah. to follow all these different threads to figure out what I'm supposed to follow and what I'm supposed to care about. And it's just a little tricky for me at the moment. And I could just be missing stuff and not paying yeah. as much close attention. But, you know, I pay more attention than your average. So, <laughs> right. I mean, by the by the third episode, you would kind of think you kind of have an idea of 
where exactly, especially in a six episode limited series, you would think halfway through, you're like, all right, I know exactly what's going on, but you're right about that point. Like not knowing who to root for. I mean, clearly you're supposed to be rooting for Sam and Bucky, but outside of that, like, but what are they doing? Like they, I, I don't know. Sometimes I have to like refocus on what's going on to like kind of stay on task and be like, yeah okay, this is what happened. That's who this person they're talking about. That's this thing, like this thing. Like, can Sam just be Captain America finally? Like, I know that's what we're going towards, but... Yeah. You uh, feel like you're getting further away from that now with this yeah. episode, and yeah. I'm just like, wait, but then they're still forcing themselves to have a conversation about the shield, like, why'd you give it up? And I'm like, well, you've already talked about this in the right. last episode, so why bring it up again? Right. Like, you had the same conversation in the second episode. You're just doing it again to keep it there. So I'm just like, you're getting further away from what we want to see. So I just don't, like I said, they've got a lot of stuff going, and I don't know what direction they're heading in. I just hope that they back off of the TV tropes of just kind of trying yeah. to just, you know, procedurally push through a story. I I want them to to wow us and keep going with that. Now, as you said, Madripoor made its debut in the MCU and Madripoor like Wakanda is a fictional city um, mm-hmm. within the Marvel universe where a lot of shady stuff, as we saw in this uh, episode goes down, it's run by crime and there's all kinds of stuff. Um, so it was really cool to see them decide to jump into that city, bring that to bring that to life. And I mean, realistically, especially on these TV shows, I can imagine a lot of stuff going down there. But one of the big things with Madripoor, and obviously that you know they didn't do too much with it in here, but uh, there's a huge connection with mutants and Madripoor because that actually city is a big place where Wolverine spent a lot of time doing stuff, and they even mm-hmm. had a sign for Wolverine's bar, like yeah, his favorite I, I, bar on I, there. What was it called? The Lucky Fox or yeah, uh, I can't remember the name of yeah, it now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And I saw that, and they were so they they're they're like really dropping these hints. So like now it brings up this question: like, was Wolverine there? Right. Like, where do mutants fit in with this MCU? And now that we're bringing in more, it's like this seems like Marvel really letting us know, hey, yeah, mutants are here. But like, are they going to be? They going to use like the blip as the way to change dna to mutants are going to show up because of the blip are other things going to happen or or did mutants already exist and they've just been like hanging out where's xavier in this universe like where does how does any of this fit in yeah it's going to be interesting to see how they uh do bring that in mad mad the introduction of madripoor is just like another step towards uh the x-men because like you said it is um featured in the comic books pretty frequently a lot especially like during 80s 90s x-men uh, x-men books like you said wolverine that's a place he's always at and uh, i was waiting in this episode once i realized you know they were using madripoor which looked cool by the way like looked mm-hmm. great the, mm-hmm. the um the effects of the um skyscrapers and like the the bridge that was all totally dope like i yeah. was into that but uh i was waiting to see somebody while they were while um all the characters were in like that bar. Somebody like use some kind of like powers. Somebody have some kind of skills or powers and be like, Oh, there we go. That's your first mutant. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. That's what I was waiting for them to do. But uh, yeah, like you said, the the Disney plus shows, especially WandaVision with the Evan Peter stuff, which kind of got mixed up, but that was like 
a wink at us as as uh, viewers like okay we got x-men on the brain like we're thinking about it and then this show now introducing Matterport, like hey guys i want to remind you we're still got the x-men we're thinking about and like we're gonna bring the, them in eventually like we're just gonna like kind of spoon feed you guys this little little bit here a little bit there until eventually we get to a full-blown like okay here's our x-men world i don't know what percentage would you put just on the idea that we see Wolverine by the end of this show, like as our Luke Skywalker Mandalorian moment, like just the holy hell, like kind of everyone wanted Ian McKellen to show up as Magneto in WandaVision, which obviously there was a lot of talk about what if, and yeah. I think that's going to happen. And they were all kind of looking for, I mean, uh, a, you know, uh, Mark Hamill type Luke Skywalker moment. But what, what, what do you think that, I mean, I couldn't imagine us not hearing casting news if they cast a Wolverine. I don't know if they would like drop I mean, but if I was going to recast Wolverine, wouldn't you want to stealth drop it and just have some dude with no speculation? Because, I mean, in that moment, I'm not going to care who it is. I'm going to be like, oh, shit, Wolverine's in the MCU. Like, I mean, if they did do, go that route, it would, like, explode my brain, probably. <laughs> but, but what are the chances that your brain gets exploded? Just give me a percentage that you think. I mean, you think 50-50? Do you think it's way less? Do you think that... With Metropore, yeah. they're showing Wolverine's bar. I mean, that that was that was blatant. They were like, Wolverine, this yeah. is where Wolverine drinks. This is where yeah. he hangs out. So they're not they're not shying away from the Wolverine hints. Right. And if I had to do a percentage, like I would probably say something like a ten percent chance. Yeah. Like I honestly think the chances are low, but it's like just because the chances are low doesn't mean like it can't happen. But I'm yeah. like could they really do it? Like you said, the casting, the casting news, I feel like would break before. It, I feel like if they were casting a new Wolverine, it would have been something that was like broadcast to us months ago. You know what I'm saying? You, I mean, you would think, obviously, I mean, they, yeah. they, they, they like to do that, especially when they have big casting. But if you're going with an unknown, right. You know, if you're not going to go with the kind of do like Hugh Jackman was unknown when they cast him as Wolverine and we're all like, who's that? Yeah, uh, when we were kids and we were like, I don't that doesn't look like Wolverine. And now it's like all anybody pictures as Wolverine because he owned it. Yeah, that's going to be another problem when they do eventually cast a Wolverine. He's going to receive like the most hate casting hate, undeserved casting hate for just because people love Hugh Jackman so much. It's the same. It's the same thing that's, you know, have they've done with characters in the past. Like no one wanted a a different Spider-Man because Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and nobody ever wanted new Batmans because, you know, well, Michael Keaton's my Batman. This sucks. And like nobody, when Christian Bale left the role, nobody wanted Ben Affleck, like a new Wolverine is going to be hard for people to get behind. Uh, so don't you think that then that's why you stealth do it? Because yeah. if you just drop, if Wolverine just shows up in episode six of the Winter Soldier as like this end credit cameo or just something crazy, you just see some dude as Wolverine sitting at a bar smoking a cigar in the background or just just a debut. Like he doesn't even have to, you know, he could just say, hey, bub. And yeah. like, or you're just the blades, but you just see someone yeah. as Wolverine sitting at a bar smoking a cigar. Yeah. Like, and then you're like, oh, shit, who, you know, I mean, I imagine just the idea that Wolverine showed up in the MCU would trump. The casting, but if you now say, "Hey, uh, Jamie Dorgan from Fifty Shades of Grey is going to play Wolverine," <laughs> please no. People, yeah, people are going to like <laughs> freak out over that casting, and you're already an uphill battle where now you got to prove why he's going to be the best Wolverine. 
But if you just have someone sitting there in the chair as Wolverine, your yeah. excitement is going to trump that. And I think that that could be a better way. But th- now also, what are the chances that they dump money at Hugh Jackman and he just comes back as Wolverine? <laughs> Oof. Right. He's How been would you pretty- feel about that? Would you be down for more Hugh Jackman Wolverine? I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but he's been adamant that he wouldn't do it. Uh, you know, he's kind of in the same legacy superhero conversation as like Robert Downey and Chris Evans. And once they reach that point where they're just like, I've made enough of these movies, I can't make another one. Uh, well, his, they, his is physically, too. I mean, he puts himself right. through it just to try to get to look good and always have his shirtless scenes looking ridiculous. And that yeah. gets harder as you get older. Yeah, that would be pretty cool but i i doubt he'll do it so they, they will cast a new wolverine uh i hadn't really given too much thought about having him premiere into uh this show but man if they did go that route that would be crazy that would be something that would take this show to like next level for me oh god yeah yeah we've been waiting for um ever since the marvel studios got the rights back to the fox and uh sony stuff i mean fox properties we've been waiting for you know some kind of x-men announcement so that would be a crazy way to like and if they could do a stealth casting without any of us knowing that would just be like unbelievable i want that to happen i want (laughs) that to happen Uh, so bad just a stealth casting and i just want the fun just to show up and i just want to be surprised you know so much stuff leaks out with the internet nowadays that you're just like and and people want to leak stuff just to get the attention and i just I just would love to have a surprise like that. And if anybody could do it and would do it, it would be Disney MCU. Like I said, they kept the Luke Skywalker thing quiet for a year and a half. Nobody knew that was coming. So um, that was, that was kind of awesome that they did that. Uh, For those who didn't watch Mandalorian. It's too late. late. I've I've said it twice. You're, you're, you know, Mandalorian has been over since last year. You're I'm sorry. Everybody, if, listen if, to if I'm the one it. spoiling it, good for you for staying off of the internet for the past <laughs> six months. And how you even found this podcast is beyond me. But I want to know how we found you if you somehow stayed off the internet long enough to not hear that one. Because I think that was just about everywhere, about 30 minutes after the first episode. <laughs> it was. It was. Like 30 minutes later, they're like, how they kept that secret as they showed a picture of Mark Hamill. And you're like, oh, God. Right. Uh, so this episode also showed the return of Sharon from uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and where mm-hmm. she's been post-Blip and post-Civil War, which apparently everybody forgot about her and Captain America and everyone just ditched her in the wilderness on the run. They were all on the run from S.H.I.E.L.D. during Civil War. Everybody got their name cleared, but they just said, screw you, Sharon, and they just left her where she had to become a criminal underworld art dealer in Madripoor. Uh, how'd you feel? How'd you like seeing Sharon come back? Uh Emily Van Camp, good from, uh, you know, Everwood fame with yeah. Chris Pratt when you want a six degrees of Kevin Bacon it there. <laughs> um, but uh, I, yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sharon, I mean, I, I was surprised it took until episode three to bring her in because she was heavily featured in the uh, promotional in the promotional. Yeah, she was on the posters and the trailers. So uh, seeing her come in, I mean, it's cool to see another character, you know. Uh, she was, you know, as people know, heavily featured in uh, Civil War and a couple other things. Um, and her action scenes in this were, I, I guess, we, we've talked about the action scenes in each episode. She had, like, the heavy action going on in here mm-hmm. when she was, you know, basically, like, murdering those uh, henchmen in the 
shipment area or a lot the of, park. A lot just of murder like, on this show. Yeah, she, she was just straight up <laughs> killing. She was just straight up killing people. She was starting just breaking arms, and I was enjoying that scene. I was like, oh, cool. She's whooping whooping these dudes' ass. I like seeing a strong, powerful woman whoop on some dudes. So I'm just right. like, okay, this is cool. She's gonna, you know, comedy. She's gonna hold back the all the goons while the men are down there talking, and you're just gonna roll reverse it, and that's great. And I loved it. And then all of a sudden, she just started stabbing people in the chest and shooting people in the face. And I was like, whoa, this escalated quickly, you know? Yeah. It was kind of just jarring to me. Just the, And then we talked about it about the first episode with Falcon just kind of throwing grenades on people and blowing up terrorists and <laughs> throwing them out of planes. I was like, Jesus, they're just uh, just going all for it for these, you know, bad guys. Just made me laugh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of had to like look up and remind myself where we ended with her. Cause I didn't really remember because the stuff of her being on the run didn't seem like it would make sense to me. Like, why is she, why did she get shunned by the American government? I guess because she helped Steve. Right. But yeah, didn't, she, stole, but... she stole their shield and wings. And that was when they met after they were on the run. Then she showed up with all their equipment in the car under the bridge. Right. So then, but my question is like, why then is she on the run and like living in Madripoor, but like Sam is cool and like, cause he backed up Steve, that side of the the thing. So he should be like a fugitive too. You know what I mean? Well, as he even said, Winter Soldier, he was like, ah, oh, Bucky ki- has killed half of the people that he talks to. And they <laughs> forgave him. So just come on in. And she's like, I can't come back in. And you're like, wait, why did you guys forget about her? And like, right. how did she get there? And why? I mean, you guys are just, you just were like, thanks, Sharon. All right. Life on the run. Yeah, it, just we, was, we, it, was, it was jarring to me. And it once again kind of just cast this light like, OK, who's the good guy in this? thing? Yeah. Like we've cleared everybody else's name who was involved on that side of whatever, except her. Yeah. I don't know. It just was kind of confusing. Um, so, yeah, that was I mean, it was cool to have her back, a character that we know. And like the last scene with her kind of gave a little more mystery to what's going on. Like, is she playing both sides? Is she, like, working with the uh, power broker? You, you know, they kind I of think, I, I think she's the leader of the Flag Smashers. That's that's where, that's where I think she's going to fall. Um, they showed her jumping in that car, and they're like, you know, like, she seems like she's powerful. She had that lady coming to pick her up, basically saying, hey you know, do we have a problem? And she's like, we have two, but I'll tell you on the way. And she jumps in the car and you leave. And if you look at like the power broker, unless they make her the power broker, um, which they could. And once again, as we said earlier in this conversation, we don't know the difference between the flag smashers and the power broker. Um, (laughs) And that could just be on us. And if you know out there, hit us up on Twitter at Raise the Geek or shoot us an email at RaiseTheGeek at gmail.com and let us know if we're missing a step here because we very well could. Uh, they, they do dump a lot of information and it's hard to know exactly what I'm supposed sure to grab onto. Um, but I can definitely see Sharon being them bringing her back and showing a little bit of shadiness. But when you look at what the Flag Smashers like ultimate goal is, which is to help people, I feel like that that's a noble way that you can bring her in and kind of twist the Flag Smashers. Now having Carly from that group blow up a bunch of agents that are, you know, sitting on supplies and saying violence is all they understand. Then you're like, okay, well now you're going extreme again. And I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about you. So once again, it circles back to the previous conversation we just had, but um, I'm, I like I said, it's cool to have her back. It's weird that shield forgot about her and just left her in the wind. But I do think that she's got more up her sleeve and I'd be curious to see how they unveil her next role. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely get more to her story before the end of the series, I believe. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But then we ended this episode with uh, forgot his name. I was going to say Sam Bucky, kind of seeing little clues on the ground, and he's following these little little orbs, and he's kind of following, and then he ends up in an alley, and then someone from Wakanda shows in front, and he goes, "What took you so long?" And yeah. they ended the episode, so we are going back to Wakanda within this, which we know Bucky, that's where he went after Civil War and became the White Tiger and kind of was all really big part of the Black Panther side of the Infinity War and Endgame and everything. Uh, so we know that he's his his history and there's a lot of unspoken things going on between him and Wakanda. But we're going back to Wakanda. So, I mean, was that a, was that a good like uh, ending for you? Did that make you sit up a little bit and go, okay, here we go, here we go? Yeah, these... Marvel shows so far have been known for like last scene, um, something like to kind of like grab your interest before, like a cliffhanger. That's the exact word for it, like a cliffhanger for the <laughs> yeah. next episode. Yeah, I couldn't think of it, so I <laughs> it, and then uh, now you get yeah. you got. Yeah, so I mean, I, it it was cool. I think the I had to look the character uh, Dora Milaje. I think is her name. Uh, she was his um, Black Panther's bodyguard in Civil War. And she's also in the Black Panther movie, as you know, one of his army. Uh, but she's not the main girl who was Michonne from Walking Dead, no, right? No, okay. no, that's, she's This is a different one. Because that's what I was going to say, because I remember her being a bodyguard. I can't remember her right. name, but I, was, no. like, I knew that that was because I double-taked just to make sure. Yeah. I did rewind and rewatch the end just because I was starting to doze and I was half asleep. And I kind of was like right there at the end. He's following those orbs and my eyes are closing. And then all of a sudden I kind of like crack one and I see I see her. And then I was like, wait, what was that? And I sat up yeah. and I rewound it and rewatched it because I thought that's who it was. And I was going to say, oh, shit. And then it wasn't yeah. just, as you're saying bodyguard. I'm like, wait, this sounds familiar. Did I get this wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It was just one of the numerous bodyguards in those movies. Uh, so. Yeah, it was cool to see uh, Wakanda kind of getting mixed back in. Um, it's really going to be interesting to see how they move forward with Wakanda and Black Panther stuff in general. So seeing them get back in like at this point is interesting, and I'm very um, you know looking forward to seeing how they're going to handle that. I mean, her saying, uh, I'm here for Zemo, is is cool because you know they would have a big problem with him still since civil war he's the one who orchestrated the the murder of um black panther's father king t'chaka mm -hmm. and uh it's going to be interesting to see her interaction with bucky because like you said he white wolf he's been to wakanda and he's like part of that now like he's got an in he like i'm sure that those two know each other pretty well so it's a cool uh, kind of lead in for episode four. Most interested to see how they're going to um, in keep incorporating Wakanda, you know, into... without knowing where their direction is going for right. Black Panther two. Like what Black Panther two? What right. is that? Do they bring back Michael B. Jordan to take you know Killmonger take the throne? Do his sister? Do we yeah. bring in like where? What direction are they going to go in? They've said already that they're not going to recast. Right. So we're not, so they're going to have to go and they have enough lovable characters or like people, you know, fan favorite 
uh, actors and uh, characters within that universe that someone could they could pass it on as they're doing with everything else. You know, Captain America, they're passing on Iron Man. I'm sure they'll pass on Thor. They're passing on. So there's right. lots of lots of directions that they can go. So it would make sense. It was, you know, tragically too early to do this. And yeah. I really think they had plans on, you know, oh, Chadwick yeah. Boseman kind of running the show here for a little bit. But um, so it does suck that that is where we're at. But it is curious to see how much they're going to address on this show. Yeah, most definitely. And, and what their explanation is for him being gone. Like, are we going to hear a story about something on That's this show? Or are they going to wait for black Panther too? Are they going to talk about him? Like he's still like he is around. Yeah. That, that was one of the, one of the first things I started thinking like, are they, so in episode four, when these two have their inevitable conversation, like, are we even going to mention King T'Challa? Like, or have they figured out a way to talk around it? Or do they even fully know what they're going to do with the character yet? So, I mean, I feel like if they talk about him, the character Black Panther, as if he's still doing stuff, I don't know if that's in, like, the best of taste. But it's so hard to do, man. Like... I, I'm. I don't well, know what they're going to do. It's, and it's like every movie when you have that 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 unfortunate tragedy behind the scenes or in real life. How yeah. do you address it on the screen? They did it with Paul Walker in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Like, okay, are they going to kill him on screen? I right. mean, the dude died in a car crash. So, I mean, are you going to really kill him in a movie about cars crashing? Like, <laughs> yeah. how are you going to yeah. do this? And how are you going to finish this movie? You know, the Brandon Lee with the crow. You know, and he died on set. And it's like, okay. Do you kill this character? How do you, how, you know, how does it, you know, Heath Ledger with the Joker? You know, yeah. it's like when you have these characters that die and you're in the middle of making a movie or they're involved in like a franchise, then how do you write them out that's tasteful? You right. know, you don't, do you kill them? Do you, you right. know, make them go? Do you, and I think a lot of that has to do with what you think the person, which we obviously don't know Chadwick Boseman, so we don't know what he would want or what he would like. Um, but I mean, I think a lot of that comes down to that would, you know, some people would morbidly enjoy. Yeah, fine. Kill me on screen. It's cool. You know, and right. if I'm gone and, you know, the character can die, too, and they'd be OK with that. You know, right. I don't but I don't know what his wishes would have been in that. So that you like said, you just pass it on do it off screen. Like, how do we. Yeah. How do you do that? And there's so much logistics into what people want to see. I mean, I don't want to see him die on screen. You know? No. That was kind of my thing with Paul Walker in the Fast and Furious. I'm like, I don't want to see him die in the movie because it's just yeah, it's, it's too real. It's, it's too yeah, real. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's too real. So, I, yeah, I don't think that I don't believe they would go that route. I'm just like super curious to find out how they're going to deal with it. So I guess, you know, episode four of Falcon Winter Soldier is kind of going to give us a taste of what they are going to do, how they're going to handle this. So that's almost as interesting to see as the episode itself is going to be. Yeah, you know? you're absolutely right. And I'm excited to, uh, to check it out next week and uh, definitely talk to you about it. And that, you yeah. know, might be, might be big news coming out, trying to figure out what they're going to do. And they might have more, you know, who knows someone could show up as black Panther next week and you'd be yeah. like, well, what the hell, you know, and like doing that something be... and you might be, you know, you have no idea what they're going to do or when they're going to do it now. Yeah, that'd be crazy, man. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that I couldn't. <laughs> that, I'll put that down at the ten percent with Wolverine showing up. Right, but you never know. You never know. But unless you got any thoughts with uh, episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think we're going to move on here because we still have so much to talk about. But uh, also came out 
pretty much last week they dropped Amazon Prime dropped the first three episodes of Invincible, which is a animated show uh, based on a comic by Robert Kirkman, who also did uh, The Walking Dead, and he's currently doing Oblivion Song and Die Die Die, and he's just probably one of those prolific, just kind of king's mount rushmore of comic book creators mm-hmm. uh, and invincible was one of his that ran for what 144 issues yeah i believe it ran for like 144 issues it, it launched around the same time as the walking dead i think which like both comics took the image by storm and that's why he's like climbed the mountain of image like super fast and he's like the um top guy at image now like even in the front office a lot. I think he's like the CCO or CEO of image. Now mm. he has been for a long time, even though, you know, we all know that's a company started by like Jim Lee and uh, Todd, McFarlane. Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld. But like Kirkman's kind of everything he does kind of, you know, turns to gold pretty much. So yeah. Invincible, another one, 144 issues. And, uh, but it's basically kind of about superheroes that you've never heard of. They're all original characters based upon this world. And you're following the main character, Mark, who, uh, is the title character as well. His alter ego is invincible. And he is the son of a Superman like character, which I'm blanking on his name. Ozyman. Omni-Man. Omni-Man. I, I have Ozymantis in my head from Watchmen whenever I hear it, so I get <laughs> yeah. those confused. But Omni-Man is his father, and in the first episode, he is... And for, full spoilers, once again, I mean, he, I think you got this down now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's some stuff in the in this that's going. We're just kind of going to brush on the premiere a little bit, because they dropped three. I haven't caught up with all the way three. It's fallen in the middle of Falcon Winter Soldier. It's very confusing, but we're going to, we're, we are, we wanted to touch on it because I think it's worth touching on. But you have Omni Man, whose son Mark, who turns into Invincible, gains his powers in the first episode, which they didn't know if he was going to hit. So now we have this new superhero learning how to be a superhero within this superhero world. So yes. it's kind of, uh, kind of was a cool show that you kind of, you know, you sent a thing to me and all of a sudden, Hey, check out this trailer. We might want to watch this. And the next thing you know, three episodes were out like two days later. And I was like, Oh, wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, this is, I was always aware of invincible, invincible as a comic book, but like, um, we touched on 144 issues by the time I kind of knew about it, it, it was well into the, you know, middle, if not further than, so, like, I never picked up an issue to read because once a series gets that far in, it's like, it's my mind is just so hard to catch up. Right. It takes a lot of, you know, time commitment to do that. But um, when I did see the trailer for this show, I was like, man, that looks cool. I know it's a comic book that's pretty well regarded, so I'm going to give it a shot. And like you said, it starts off like a, it's like a homage to... Um, Avengers and Justice League, like you said, Omni-Man is like Superman. I get that, you know, Invincible is super strong, but he's got like a Spider-Man vibe. He's like very Mm -hmm. quippy and like a young guy just getting his powers. Uh, The first episode was, you know, I feel like a great introduction to the um, to the series. Like it, it, it just got that classic comic book superhero feel and it's got a great voice cast. You know, Steven Yen is the voice of uh, Mark and, uh, we already talked about him last episode. We might talk about him every episode. Uh, J.K. Simmons uh, is the voice of Omni-Man. Perfect casting there. And Sandra Oh is the mom. And uh, a lot of different, a lot of different uh, well-known 
Oh yeah, you recognize almost everybody. Everybody starts talking, and you, yeah. Jacobs is the the main girl who's from yeah. Community. Anime, uh, the, yeah. The dude from uh the league, Ra- Ra- Ralphie, Raffy, uh-huh. on the league. I, I yeah. Jason Cosmo. I I'm, I'm gonna butcher his last name, yeah, but he's got a hard last. Name. <laughs> he's got a hard last name, but uh. I know it's Jason and starts with a C, but yeah. he, I know he's, uh, and I don't know any of their names, but it's a very adult cartoon. Yeah. Um, they definitely drop some language, drop some violence. Uh, sure TV mature. Situations. It's TV mature. So yeah. it, just because it's animated, you know, there, there's a little bit more going on in this one, but uh, it was a solid, it was a solid premiere episode. Like I was watching it and I was like, oh, this is cool, you know for being 45 minutes and that is a long time for me um but they were kind of just sitting through and i was like this sounds like a cool cartoon i was kind of laying on the couch watching it kind of starting to fall asleep a little bit just enjoying whatever then all of a sudden they kind of like to do this thing in these episodes where they cut to they kind of end the episode and then they kind of do a couple credits and then they throw like a post credit or a mid credit scene so then they're kind of like i'm like okay first episode and i was like it's kind of cool then they cut then they end it and i'm watching the credits then all of a sudden they pop up the next one, like the next mid credit scene, and they're showing all this, like basically their Justice League version or the Avengers, where it's the uh, global guardians, guardians of the globe. Guardians of the globe, yeah. Guardians of the globe are all being summoned back to their base, and they're all being summoned back to their base. So they're all going back to their base. I'm like, okay, what is this? And they're kind of all getting their, you know, they're basically all got like little scenes as to who they are almost in this mm-hmm. like couple minutes. And then they get helping, back to helping their us base. get to know them, helping yeah. us get to know the characters, yeah. like. Like within minutes, all of a sudden, yeah. you're just like, who are these characters? And now, yeah. you know, within minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they get back to the base and the last girl shows up and she they're like, why did you summon us here? She goes, I didn't summon us there. They're like, who did? And then all of a sudden, like the Red Haze, his, uh, he's like kind of like the Flash character with the super speed. He all of a sudden kind of almost has like a spider sense go off. He runs to go grab, get someone out of the way. And it's Omni-Man. Yeah, we just watched this whole episode be Superman comes flying in with a punch and all of a sudden they just go into this massive battle that goes on like at least five minutes. And all of a sudden it just starts getting like brutal. Like he grabs (laughs) Hayes's head and he's just squeezing it until the skull explodes. Like, I mean, and it's just murder everywhere. And it's just a giant, giant battle. And I'm sitting up going, what what just happened in this? Like what's going on? What just happened? And they end that episode literally with all of them. Like Omni-Man just destroys everything. And it just was a complete eye-opening. And then they go into the rest of the first couple episodes trying to figure out what happened. Like that's the central arc mystery of like what happened. Because nobody knows it was Omni-Man. And and Omni-Man doesn't even know it was him. So it's like, why is he doing this? Why did he do it? What happened? Who's in control? Did he do it on purpose? So many like questions. And now it's like, you're just along for the ride. And it was just so well done that it just, I didn't see it coming. And I'm hoping you guys all got to watch that without me spoiling it for you. But (laughs) yeah, if if you're listening this far, hopefully you watched the first episode of Invincible uh, yeah, that final scene, man, didn't see that coming at all. Um, the the entire episode just had Omni Man being portrayed as like a straight up, you know, Superman character, like a good guy. They made it clear that he wasn't part of the Guardians of the Globe, uh, but in the first scene where they're fighting, you know, two super powered twin villains, uh, Omni Man comes and he saves the life of like their take on the Batman character. I think his name was like Darkwing or something. Yep. yep. And uh, they showed him save his life. 
and he came in and you know he was helping all the other characters out like he's just like seemed like a good guy and he's training his son mark to be a, a, a superhero and you never expected <clears throat> that final scene that final scene just start comes and it you know it it basically shatters the perception of what you thought the show was going to be uh mm-hmm. like we thought we were just going to have, you know, a run of the mill superhero show. Maybe not for those who read the comics. I'm sure they saw this co- saw it coming. It's kind of like the Red Wedding and Game of Thrones. Yeah. Those who read, read the book knew what was coming. But uh, yeah, man, that last scene was crazy. Just like I, I still remember them. There not being like any music. It was just him, just like straight up brutalizing, killing these superheroes who us watching it you thought this show was going to heavily involve them like they're going to be on this show too like this is a show about their group and maybe invincible will join them and maybe omni-man is their leader like we don't know like just crazy dude he like was and and just the this being an animated show they could really get really uh detailed with the uh action something that like sometimes live action with real actors can't do that's why, you know, I appreciated appreciated this uh so much because it's just super crazy, man. I don't know. And it it's still one of those... sticks it still sticks with me. I'm still think about it like that's Oh yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And it's one of those things that's nice when you watch something that's not DC or Marvel. You know, yeah. it's like you watch a Batman, you you have expectations, you have rules, you have like everyone got mad when Batman was shooting people and Batman versus Superman. Batman doesn't kill. Superman doesn't kill in Man of Steel yeah. and everybody freaked out about him killing Zod, which I, I just thought was badass. But, um, you know, oh, Superman doesn't kill and you have all of these rules and these expectations around these characters, but you throw like Invincible. I don't know these characters. Yeah, they're yeah. Superman-like. They're Batman-like. I don't know who they are. It was like watching The Boys also on Amazon Prime. Yeah, these yeah. characters are similar to characters that we know, but we don't yeah. know what their boundaries are. We don't know what their limits are. We don't know what their rules are. We're not involved in their universe, and that's how Invincible feels. Like I don't know what these characters are going to do next. And as yeah. long as they develop them well, which they so far have <laughs> the, a couple episodes I've watched, it really makes for a different kind of ride, which I was kind of enjoying, where we're watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's a very MCU ride outside of all the murder. Right. But you kind of have a little bit of a, you know, you kind of still have an expectation and you have a path that you kind of are understanding where like watching Invincible, I don't know what's going to happen next. So, far. No. you know, it's just it's crazy in that, but makes it makes it kind of fun. Yeah, I feel like, again, speculating, like I know you said maybe Omni-Man might not have been in control. I feel like they're going the route of like he's in total control and he like did that. He's just like a dick. Yeah. And like he's. I don't know what his reasoning is going to be. Maybe like he wants to be the only hero on in the world. Like also in that first episode, I don't know if you noticed when Mark um, finally realized he was getting his powers when he threw that garbage bag over the dumpster, which is a cool scene. But then at like dinner uh, with his parents, he said, Hey, guess what? Had a good day today. Like finally getting my powers. And like his dad kind of paused and he was like, are you sure? Like kind of like in a way where he, if he was really excited about him getting his powers, he would have been like, that's great. That's cool. But he like paused and like, wasn't sure. And like he, and then later he said, we would have been better off if Mark never got his powers. Like yeah. maybe, I don't know. He, well, and he even his mom kicked Omni-Man under the table, right. like say something. So then yeah. it's like, what is she like? What's the secret here as yeah. well that they really thought he wasn't going to get his powers. And now there's actually more, there's yeah. more to this equation than we realize. Yeah, I feel like there definitely is on like the next big um 
big point in the series is probably going to be when when Mark finds out the truth about what happened, that his dad is the one who killed the Guardians of the Globe. That's going to be, you know, some crazy stuff when they get to there. But yeah, man, first first initial reactions from the show, it's really cool. I'm, I'm glad I'm watching it and uh, I'm glad it exists. Yeah, and it's getting a lot of attention, which is great because I think Amazon Prime does put together some decent content from time to time and it's mm-hmm. nice to see them get a little bit of attention. You know, they got it with the boys, which was cool. Um, and now Invincibles is kind of putting them on a genre map a little bit with what they right. do. Because I always forget Amazon Prime exists as a service. <laughs> and then when I jump into it again, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch right. of stuff I could watch in here if I really want to. And I still don't, but I could. You do, you do forget about it. Netflix, yeah. Disney, and HBO get all the, like, the accolades. But Amazon's there with its own content, like stuff worth watching too yeah and i mean they, they got a couple movies up there now that were nominated for academy awards and stuff so they're you know they're no joke in that but yeah something that most of us have just on default because we want to be shipping on amazon and we're all part of that <laughs> machine and yeah. uh all of a sudden we got all of this content that we don't even realize so it's crazy yeah. but definitely check out invincible don't let you know if you haven't checked it out which i hope you did at, by now but it's still <laughs> worth checking out even knowing that last scene's coming definitely i would hope everybody had uh seen the last scene before you let us talk about it but yeah yeah we did a spoiler (laughs) before right we did we always do it's called it's called the raise the geek slash all spoilers all everything we talk about is spoilers that's what we're all spoilers all the time i think i've even incorporated it in the last two titles just to be like spoilers we're gonna talk about spoilers great but Let's move on. We got more. I mean, Invincible is definitely something we're going to be talking about coming through uh, once we can catch up with episode three and four. And this one looks like it's going to go past Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, bam, built in content, something that we can talk about once the next three weeks of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. end. but I want to just touch a little bit on what we're geeking out on this week, like what we've been consuming, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what we've been reading, kind of really just jumping into uh, our personal interests and tastes and just kind of like I said, what's entertaining us and what you might want to add to your watch list, your pull list, your whatever, however you consume your media. Uh, so you want to go, you want me to go? How do you want, how do you, who, who, who wants to go first? Uh, I can go first this time. Hit it up, man. All what right. Geeking out on. Uh, well, I'll start shortly with like the news of that's really exciting me that uh, came out recently is the voice cast was announced for a The Long Halloween animated movie. And um, seeing the voice cast announced, this is like even my first knowledge that they were even going to be making a Long Halloween animated movie. And just like to put it in context, The Long Halloween is my like my personal favorite Batman story of all time uh, written by Jeff Loeb and Tim sale or Tim sales, the illustrator uh, 12 issues. I just think it's like the perfect Batman story. It's got like mystery Batman being a detective. Um, Yeah. Batman being a detective through the whole thing and uh, a killer that you don't know the identity to. And he has to find out, but it also features his entire rogues gallery. It's got like Joker uh, the Riddler, Catwoman, everyone you know. But th- at the heart, this is also like a, a Two-Face story. It's like a Two-Face origin story with Harvey Dent and his family and his struggles. So seeing them make this into an animated movie is uh, super exciting for me. I think it features the voice of, uh, I can't think of his name, the actor from Supernatural. 
is going to be voicing uh, Batman, and I know he did voice. Yeah, yeah Jensen Over- Jensen Ackles. That's his name. Okay, I never watched Supernatural, but uh, I I saw that he is the voice of Batman. I think he voiced Red Hood in a previous uh, animated movie. So I guess he's graduated to being Batman. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that's definitely the something that excites me. But what what I've been reading. Uh, I did mention, I think, this in a previous episode, but I've been super excited to start uh, reading Nightwing again. And so with Nightwing issue 78 from DC Comics, uh, it's written by Tom Taylor and illustrated by, I had his name here, Bruno Redondo. Uh, Issue 78, it is kind of a new jumping on point for Nightwing. Usually, sometimes with jumping on points, they might restart the series. Like, this could have been Nightwing number one. It really could have, but they they wanted to keep the um, numbering going. So, this is issue 78, and uh, Tom Taylor is an artist or a writer for DC who I've always been interested in his work. He's he's kind of a renowned guy. Uh, He's written a lot of interesting things. I kind of put him on par with, like, the hype of Tom King or Donny Cates. He's one of these kind of writers, so... When I saw that he was going to be writing Nightwing, uh, I was really excited because Nightwing, to me, is a character that I've always liked, but I haven't necessarily liked reading his books because they haven't always been great to me. Uh, I've I've tried Nightwing a few times. I like Dick Grayson as a character in Nightwing, but none of them have really you know stuck. But reading through this issue, uh, this is I feel like a fantastic <clears throat> excuse me fantastic start to uh a run for tom taylor it starts off kind of with an origin story and him meeting uh barbara gordon for the first time and and runs through some stuff and the art is great uh it tells the story of nightwing going to uh bloodhaven or bloodhaven i don't know, know exactly the pronunciation of that but he you know that's his city that's like his gotham city uh you know, Batman has Gotham City, and I always think it's cool when they give Nightwing like his own city to protect. Yeah. Like he's not—he's not just a sidekick who's running around like cleaning up Batman's messes and and just helping Batman on the side and being a sidekick. Like when he finally decided, I'm my own hero and I'm moving off into my own area. Like this is my own town that I'm going to protect. I think that's cool. So this takes place in Bloodhaven, and uh, yeah, man, it's it's got some cool fight scenes, and the art is pretty great. Uh, they introduce Blockbuster, who is one of the main villains of Bloodhaven, and it's kind of like they've always made uh, Nightwing's nemesis. And yeah, dude, it's it's a great book. I think everybody, if you've ever been interested in uh, Nightwing as a character, he's like always been one of my favorite sidekicks of Batman. I think this is great for fans of, of his. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I've been geeking out on, man. Yeah, and for anybody who's interested in Nightwing number 78, just know the chances are you're not going to be able to find it because I tried. And uh, <laughs> we're going to have to wait for a second printing, which is due out at the end of the month. I think it's set to be in stores like April 22nd or okay. whatnot. So I think they're printing out. So the second printing is coming. I am going to grab it and check it out because dropping uh, dropping the Batman book, I am missing a, uh, a Dark Knight type hole. Sure. I have Bat and Cat, which is filling in nicely. 
but it's still like to jump into Nightwing. And like I said, those books are always hard to find a jumping in point. So as you said, this is a great one. So I'm excited to try to see if I could jump in even on a second printing at the end of the month and see what's yeah. what. Um, but that one did get, you weren't the only one that wanted to jump into that one. It seemed like a lot of people went and grabbed yeah, that book. There's been a lot of hype around the book. People have been giving it a shot because, you know, Tom Taylor's got the big name and the art looks great. And it's, after reading it, I can concur that it's definitely worth your money and time. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's jump in on what I've been doing this week, what I've been yes, geeking sir. out on here. Um, one, I'm going to touch on the big thing that people, there are probably a bunch of people that are sitting there going, I can't believe they haven't talked about this yet. I can't believe they haven't said anything. Are they really going to not talk about this? Well, I am. And we're going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong really quick because there is, I did watch it. It hit HBO Plus on Wednesday, the 31st. So it's been out there for a little bit. It's there for 30 days as well as on the big screen if any theaters are open near you. But Godzilla vs. Kong came out, which is the big sequel to technically Kong King of, or Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of Monsters. And it's kind of the big uh, follow-up and it's the big brawl as every versus, you know, Freddy versus Jason, Batman versus Superman. We're now at Godzilla versus Kong. And overall... Uh, it's exactly what you expect it to be um, without diving too deep into really much that you could talk about outside of I could growl really loud and start smashing my hands together and you get the good gist of what the majority of the movie is. But uh, it was a solid, solid movie. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong. It was it delivered on what you wanted on that. My thing with it was I'm a Godzilla person. And to me, it was more of a Kong movie. It should have been called Kong versus Godzilla. Um, there was way too much Kong in it for me. So I kind of had my, my moments where I was kind of just like, I just want to see more Godzilla. And I, you know, when he showed up, I just, I wanted, I wanted more focus on Godzilla. Um, definitely still, if it's your jam to watch those types of movies, like it is mine, it's definitely still worth watching. I'm definitely going to watch it again. Um, if I can fake it to go sneak out to an IMAX, once it, the crowds die down, I might do it just to see Godzilla on the big screen. But, uh, it was definitely something, uh, something worth checking out if you have access to hbo at least um but that'd be my quick take on that i did watch this movie on hulu right now called rent a pal and i i sent i sent don and our other buddy tony <laughs> a trailer just to be like oh my god rent a pal and it's on it's on uh hulu right now where you can watch it and it actually stars will wheaton from you know wesley crusher star trek fame will wheaton <laughs> yeah will wheaton um <laughs> and uh, it has him as basically you have this character. I, for, I already forgot his name shows how memorable things were. David, <laughs> David was the main character's name. Who was basically like he lived at home taking care of his mom who has dementia and he's, it takes place in 1990. So he's doing video dating. So he's basically talking with like love solutions or love connections. And he's working with this company to get tapes to try to meet a woman. And he's, so he's getting all these tapes and then he goes to get this, he goes to pick up a tape from the lady and he finds in this discount bin this tape called Rent-A-Pal. And basically it's a video cassette that you put in that has Will Wheaton on it who's talking to you. So it's basically like a psychological like rent a friend. This is going to be – I'll be your friend. I'll talk to you and I'll listen to you and I'll say everything that you you want to hear. And it's it's kind of like one of those types of tools. But then uh, – so then he rents this tape and he watches it and starts, you know – getting into having conversations with this tape. Cause once you learn the cues, you can actually have a, an actual conversation with this tape and the way that they did it was really cool. But then things start happening weird and you start to wonder 
the tape is starting to react to things that are happening in the real world. And you kind of start having a psychological creepy vibe that kind of starts running through the back half of the movie. And it was, it was well done. And it surprised, it was kind of hilarious, dark comedy mixed with a little bit of psychological creepiness. And if you're into that type of thing and you have Hulu, it's probably worth watching. It's an easy way to kill 90 minutes. And it was, it cracked me up and it became a, if that sounds like it's your type of thing, you should definitely check it out if you haven't already or haven't heard of that one. Uh, but definitely those were a couple movies that I did check out. And speaking of Amazon prime and all that content, I was looking through it today when I was watching invincible. Do you know that they have, they added double dragon, the old movie with uh, Scott Wolf, Scott Wolf and Alyssa Milano. Yeah, I forgot she was in that. <laughs> yeah, that movie and the and the chairman Mark De, 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 I can never say his last name Dukakis the the chairman from the Iron Chef who was always martial artist he was in that oh, he was in that movie yeah. I love with the capoeira the na 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 way na, only the strong that one <laughs> okay um, I love that movie but anyway he he was in it too but they like they threw a bunch of old like video game movies in there so it was like Double Dragon. Um, yeah. was in there which i totally added to my list that i'm gonna watch but then they also added uh it's like the street fighter 2 anime and they yeah. added some like a japanese street fighter movie it was called like Dra- japan it was like street fighter uh something warriors of fate or something but okay. it's three hours long it's like a three hour live action japanese street fighter movie i was like what is this movie oh it's live action uh, yeah it's a live action live action street fighter movie that's three hours long that's that interesting. Was crazy. I'm like, where did this come from? So, <laughs> Amazon, like, like I said, don't like we said earlier, don't sneeze on Amazon's content. They got a bunch of weird shit in there. Yeah, that might be worth <laughs> just you know combing through, uh, you know, watch Invincible and see what they suggest because they were suggesting right. some weird stuff that I, I thought was really. Dragon again. I'm going to watch Double <laughs> Dragon again because that just sounds kind of hilarious. Couple drinks, right. Double Dragon. Um, then, you know, after a couple more drinks, I'll end up watching Mario Brothers. Uh, but Pay attention uh, for our uh, upcoming bonus episode about Double Dragon. We both had to sit back <laughs> first uh, reviewing Double Dragon. We'll get nice and drunk and we'll watch. We'll do like a watch along for Double Dragon and you guys can watch Double Dragon with us. Uh, just make sure you have a couple drinks because I think that's the only way we're going to get through that movie. Yeah. Uh, last up this week, and I haven't really jumped too deep in this, but I did pick out uh, the final cut of Disco Elysium, which is a uh, PC game, came out on PS4 and PS5 this week, um, and I believe it's still on sale for a week uh, for like 30 bucks. Um, but Disco Elysium won a lot of Game of the w- a Year awards last year for a big RPG-type uh, game where you're playing this like drunken detective trying to solve a murder. And you run through, and it's very RPG and character and story heavy. And it came out, uh, the final cut came out, where they added voice acting. They said they added over like a million words or a million minutes of voice acting. And this character, I started the beginning, and I was playing it where you're this detective, and you wake up, and you're like, you know, drunken stupor and you're kind of walking around your apartment and it's very kind of almost point and click where there's lots of little items that you can go and talk to. But then you have this running narration in your head of this voice in your head that's talking to you. And then as you're talking, you can have conversations with yourself. So you're picking these voices and picking what you wanted to say. But then there's different things that you can do. So it's like when I woke up, my my tie was hanging on the fan. So then they're like, do you want to reach up and take the tie on your fan? So I reach up. I'm like, yeah, give me my tie. So I reach up. And then when I clicked to take the tie, it basically popped up this thing, kind of like a role-playing game, where all of a sudden they go, they go, uh, these are your chances. 
So you, it automatically rolls a dice, and based on what the dice happens, you either succeed or fail at whatever action you're trying to do. So all of a sudden, I went to go reach up the tie, but they rolled the dice, and I failed because of the random generation, and my character had a heart attack. <laughs> and like freaked out because he reached up and he was drunk and it was a whole big thing. So it's like you're you're almost like the story changes based on what you want to do because you have this roll of the dice that judges what happens. So it's very like a Dungeons and Dragons type thing. Uh, so I haven't I haven't gotten too far into it yet, just trying to get the feel for it. Um, but definitely I'm interested in where that is. And if that sounds like anything, definitely hit it up. The The final cut just came out where they basically added the 4K 60 frames per second on the PS5, uh, PS4. You know, they added the voice acting and a bunch of stuff. So it's, it's a little bit different because it's a PC game that they ported over. So the controls are a little taken a little bit for me to get used to because it's, it's definitely made to be played with a mouse. Um, yeah. But it's been it's been interesting and I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper into that. So that is what I've been geeking out on this week and what I've been nice. doing. Um and hopefully, you know, some of that stuff is uh something that you guys want to go check out. So definitely hit us up and let you know if you check any of that stuff out and what you think. And if there's anything that you think we should be geeking out on, shoot us that email or hit us up on Twitter and uh let us know what we should what you want to hear us talk about and what you uh would really like to uh think we should watch something that you think we'd enjoy now that you're getting a little bit of our tastes yes absolutely now last up we figured coming up april 24th on hbo we're getting the brand new mortal kombat movie the long gestating finally mortal kombat is coming back to the big screen or hbo depending on how you feel uh they had a red band trailer came out about a month ago showed all of like violence fatality in its glory like they're pulling no punches for this movie unlike the you know 1996 version which all of a sudden we got a pg-13 version of mortal kombat and we're like what is this yeah this is our hard r in australia it got the equivalent of nc-17 in the Did it? Rating. yeah they rated it in australia and it got basically the equivalent of nc-17 now whether or not they're going to change that for australia i don't know but um, it's going to be a violent movie and it's going to be, and if you've watched the trailer, there's a, no shortage of violence in this. Uh, but Mortal Kombat was a, a, obviously a huge cultural uh, landmark. It's changed yeah. a lot of things with this world. Um, we, Don and I grew up with Mortal Kombat. We were kids, you know, 10 years old, 11 years old, 92 when it first hit the scene. So we grew up playing it on the Super Nintendo nonstop. I can't tell you how many hours the two of us beat the oh, shit yeah. out of each other in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Um, yeah. We thought it would be really cool. The next two weeks, we were leading up into the uh, premiere of the new HBO Max movie, we want to talk about the original Mortal Kombat movie. So the 96 Mortal Kombat, as well as Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So next week, we are going to talk about Mortal Kombat, the, the Paul W.S. Anderson uh, flick that you know came out in 1996 and mm-hmm. really kind of set the world on fire. So definitely... Check that out. If you haven't watched that movie in a long time, if you've never seen it, check it out here in this next week because the next episode, episode four that we're going to do, we're going to talk all about that movie. And then the following week, we're going to talk about Mortal Kombat Annihilation and the craziness that that movie ended up being yeah. uh, leading into the new HBO Max one. So definitely be part of that conversation and make sure you check that out if you need a refresher, just like we're going to do. 
But I thought this week we could just do a brief history on Mortal Kombat and talk about the video game series that inspired all of this conversation. So we wanted to kind of just dive in a little bit. Well, we know we're getting long, so we're going to just dive in just a little bit, kind of give a brief history on Mortal Kombat here a little bit uh, just to kind of, you know, start to set the scene as we head through Mortal Kombat, Mortal April. Yeah. Like you said, man, Mortal Kombat, we're excited about the movie, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about our history with it. You know, it's a <clears throat> iconic game that we all know, launched in 92, and uh, I always thought of it as, like, the the yin and yang of fighting games, to me, was always, like, you had your Street Fighter on one side, and you had Mortal Kombat on the other side, and, like, some people thought, like, oh, I'm a Street Fighter guy, I'm a Mortal Kombat guy. I always appreciated them both. Uh, Mortal Kombat just kind of separated itself and like set itself apart by like using um, real actor like motion capture for the characters, which like blew our minds as kids. We thought it was so cool. That was like cutting edge technology. Uh, I remember going to the arcade and you'd see, you know, people lined up like line a line literally for the Mortal Kombat machine to like, you know, sink your quarters in and play strangers and which one of these seven characters are you going to have are you going to be and everyone had their favorites i i i mean i was always like a scorpion sub-zero guy i don't know why i just like the ninjas because the ninjas were cool they were but <laughs> yeah they, they were always the coolest you know people associate scorpion probably the most with mortal Kombat. that's like everybody's guy but yeah i mean a lot of good memories uh with Mortal Kombat, what, what are your like initial thoughts when you think your history with the game? Mortal Kombat, yeah, it's just it's just that iconic that yeah. imagery, and it was one of the first video games that fighting games that had a story. Like we played Street Fighter, we played the hell out of Street Fighter Two, Street Fighter Two Turbo, Street Fighter Two Hyper Turbo, Street Fighter, you know, you know, all of them. <laughs> um, but we played Champion a lot of edition. Championship Edition, and we yeah. played a lot of Street Fighter, and it was and it was fun, but you never really knew. I mean, we'd we'd make up stories, you know. And this was the cool thing about this realm, you know, the early '90s. You know, we had no internet, so right. Mortal Kombat. You just you just you'd play video games and then you'd hear someone on the playground, tell a story about something and then turned into a story, which turned into a story. So you would hear stuff like Balrog is an ex boxer who used to do this in street fighter, but there was no like lore behind it. There was no truth behind it. It was just stuff right. that we heard. And, Oh, they used to fight this and that, that built that character on Mike Tyson and did this. And you know, some yeah. of that stuff turned out to be true, but a lot of the stuff that stories that we heard were not, but mortal Kombat was like the first one that actually had a lore. There was like a story. There was, yeah. uh, you know, Outworld was fighting the earth realm and they were coming and they had to win so many tournaments and there was an actual story um i heard a story about how the creators when they uh when the game first came out they would secretly go to some arcades to see how people were doing it and they realized that people were standing at the arcade machine watching the demo mode to get the story like they weren't Uh playing the game they were just literally watching the screens go by with the text of what happens when people won and what the story of each character was and there were people at arcades that were just standing there watching no one they weren't even playing they're like this doesn't work because people aren't spending their quarters yeah so you just kind of like they just it really there's a lot of story into that and i know that story's gone off the rails now that they're like in mortal Kombat 11 or 12 and i know there's all kinds of craziness that happened with that right but it was just one of those games that really had that and it was and it and when you throw in, like you said, the violence, you had the fatalities, which, you know, were groundbreaking at the time and hilarious and crazy. But they you didn't know how to do them. They didn't right. give you the instruction book how to do it. They didn't give you, you know, like 
you didn't know how to do them. You couldn't just go on Google and say Mortal Kombat fatalities and you got a list of them. Right. You had just, unless you knew someone who had bought the strategy guide, which none of us, I mean, if we paid, if we got the game, we, it was like, you can get the book or the game is what our parents would say. I'm like, well, I want the game. <laughs> and we had no way. So unless you had a friend that could have yeah. it and you're writing it down in notepads or someone would just, you'd be at school and someone would be like, hey, I figured out how to do a, a fatality. It's up, up, left, left, right, right, B-A, B-A. And you're just writing it down on a piece of paper. I can't wait to get home to try this. Or yeah. run comic book store across the street from school in fifth or sixth grade and try this fatality that never worked it's it's funny how like that happened like somebody would learn the fatality and be like ah, i know how to do this it's uh scorpions thing is start up up and the word would just spread like hey man did you hear that scorpions fatality is start up up you know yep. just stuff like that and, like a lot of beginners would use Liu Kang because he had like the easiest moves the word would get around like oh man his fireball is just forward forward punch and then his, his flying kick is forward, forward kick. Like, oh, I can use Luke King. He's got that little yep. bicycle kick. Just hold just hold the button and let it go. And he yep. does the bicycle kick. Yeah, he always you how you always started. And then it would just be like, well, I'm gonna block and uppercut you. I'm gonna block and uppercut you every time. Right. Uh yeah. That's that's crazy. I think I eventually did buy a Mortal Kombat strategy guide to learn like fatalities and stuff. But yeah, that was crazy when you'd see like a kid bust out a fatality at the arcade. Everybody just be like, "Whoa!" It's it was insane, man. It was like a it was like a movement for for kids who liked fighting games. That game. Yep, and that was that was the one game I still remember going to Odyssey Fun World, which I don't even know if it's there anymore in Tinley Park. Right. And I still remember Mortal Kombat Two Machine being there, and the line, and you just put your quarter up there, so someone would be fighting yeah. someone, and you go drop your quarter on top of the machine, and everyone knew you were next. I and got waited, next. and then whoever was the winner, you you grab your quarter, you put it in the machine, and you go, and you see if you can go, because you know if you could win, then you kept playing on that quarter. And yeah. everyone wanted to beat whoever the resident, you know, champion was at that moment. Right. And we, it all, just... we all had that kid who would like run through like five different kids, but like, man, he's good. Yeah. I got to try to beat him. I don't want to get embarrassed. And Yeah. And I remember getting whooped by him. And I remember, <laughs> I remember telling it might've been you or telling someone, man, if there was a super Nintendo controller here, instead of the joystick, I would have killed them. Right. You know, those buttons were sticky. That wasn't fair. Yeah. It wasn't fair. I know I can whoop you on Super Nintendo. Come to my house. Mom, they're coming over. Uh, I got the ultimate edition at home. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Funny. This is Mortal Kombat 2. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Mortal Kombat obviously, you know, became what it was due to the violence. And uh, that actually created the uh, ratings board. Like, video games have ratings now, like movies, because of Mortal Kombat. And it was, you know... I, I saw some video today when I was preparing for this and their senator was like, this is borderline child abuse and shame on the people who made this. And uh, just, I mean, it was a big deal where you had a lot of people like in Congress and senators like debating on what to do about this game. That's so violent and destroying the children and doing until call of duty came in. Yeah. Uh, it was still the running mark. And I remember back in the day, like when the mortal Kombat movie, the 1996 one came out, my dad wouldn't let me go see it. Yeah. Like he was like, no, you can't see it, and I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you can't, and I was like, dude, it's PG thirteen, Mortal right. Kombat, nope. I'm like, dude, it. I was like, I'm thirteen, I can go see PG thirteen, right? And he's they like, said no, I'm and, allowed. They said, and, I'm allowed they said to... I'm allowed, and he's like, no, because in, it, from everything that he said, Mortal Kombat's bad and Mortal Kombat's yeah. violent, and he was just, and I'm like, dude, you let me sit here and watch Total Recall. 
and Schwarzenegger's just like ripping people to shreds, and you're cool with that. But Mortal Kombat is like, nope. I was man, I was so mad. Yeah, just because, like you said, the the news and media told everyone Mortal Kombat was was what was corrupting our brains. When at the same time, we've seen already this bloody action in movies and TV. Like we've heard all the swear words and seen all the the killing and shooting and movies and stuff. So like, yeah, but, but it's the video game that's like corrupting us. Okay. And like you said, call of duty is that now. And it it was, it's been uh, grand theft auto before that. And like, there's always some excuse, like it's the music or the video games or something, but yeah, it's funny. It's crazy, and it, it went so far that they actually censored the Super Nintendo version, which was what we played on, because you and I weren't yeah. Sega kids. Yeah. And uh, outside of the Saturn, neither one of us really ever owned a, a Sega system uh, until way later. Like, I have yeah. a Dreamcast sitting in a box, but that's, you know. Yeah, no Genesis for us, though. So we were playing Mortal Kombat, the original Mortal Kombat, on the Super Nintendo with sweat and no fatalities, and yeah. we just had to play it. Like, that was just what we played, and until we got Mortal Kombat 2... And really where we jumped in was Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Like Mortal Kombat 3 we played the hell out of. I think you had Mortal Kombat 3 and did I get did you end up with Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 or did I have that and always have to bring it over to your house? I did can't remember. Which, yeah, I can't remember which one of us had it. What I don't even know what the difference between Ultimate and the first one was. Did they like add characters or Yeah, they or? they added a lot of the <clears> secret <throat> characters like Rain and uh, oh. Sabat and you know smoke. they added yeah, yeah smoke they added they added all the characters but then it also had like that was where they threw in like the combat codes oh. and a lot of the funner stuff it was just like the complete version of the game yeah um, they put together and uh, I just remember playing I just remember regardless of who had it I just remember we played the hell out of it like no oh, yeah. forever and ever we did. we did it was it was no no joke with how much we played that Mortal, Ultimate Mortal Kombat three was definitely once they added the combo system, the running, the oh, uh, yeah. you know animalities, babalities, yeah. friendships, like all the goofy stuff. Yeah, it made it so much more fast paced and like I mean it was always fun, but it added a level of fun that we just for some reason could not get enough of. We just played it over and over like, all right, I'm gonna be the sector this time and like all the characters they added were cool. Not the original, not all the original characters, but they kept adding new characters through every game. Like, and you'd learn their moves and learn their fatalities. And yeah, we just sat there for hours playing that. Yeah. And it, <clears throat> and we had a good time and we didn't grow up crazy. So I think we're all right. <laughs> right. Not yet. Any- <laughs> not anyway. Yeah. Not yet. You know, maybe I'll play Mortal Kombat 13 and it'll rot my brain. And then I'll be like, oh, finally, <laughs> finally not loose in my brain <laughs> <laughs> that one fatality just was too fo- too much right. now granted if you played any re- the recent ones those games are insane now like they do yeah. some easy stuff in those games between the the creativeness of the fatalities on top of like the x-ray things where they like punch people and they show the go through and show their skulls cracking and bones breaking and stuff there yeah they're i've I've, pl- I've played some of 10 it is pretty wild how far that those games have come they are pretty nuts still <laughs> they're nuts but they're they're a good time they're a good yeah. i mean they're a good time for fighting games. I mean, we growing up, we played fighting games nonstop. That was right. that was something that I remember playing Samurai Showdown and Shaq Fu. And uh, I mean, we honestly, you're ta- you're listening to the two people who probably played Shaq Fu on the Super Nintendo more than anybody. <laughs> I, I can guarantee you, nobody played Shaq uh-huh. Fu more than we did on the Super Nintendo. Just I I I, I guarantee you, just, <laughs> just, we played it way too much and Shaq Fu. No reason because we both knew it was bad. But Donald was like, "Nope, I got this money. I got this <laughs> game. I spent money on it. We're playing it." I'm like, "All right." 
I don't know if I bought it or like if I got it from my mom as a gift, but I still I do remember being like, I own this. We're playing it. I don't care if you don't like it. And you just being like, okay, we'll play Shaq Fu. And I was just like, yeah, damn right, we're playing Shaq Fu. <laughs> and we played way too much. And like I said, I I put money. I I just I don't think there's anybody who played that game more than we did. <laughs> Probably not. We played yeah an unhealthy amount of Shaq Fu. If anything made me violent in the world, it's Shaq Fu. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, uh, Mortal Kombat, I'm excited for this new movie coming out. I'm excited to rewatch and talk about, you know, the 96 and Mortal Kombat Annihilation, uh, getting prepped for the new one. Uh, definitely. If you have any Mortal Kombat stories out there that you want to talk about, uh, and you want us to talk about on the show, or you just want to share with us, definitely. Once again, shoot us that email at raised geek at gmail.com or hit us up on the Twitter at raised a geek. You can also go over to our anchor.fm page. Um, where we share the show from, and you can leave us a voicemail telling us what your Mortal Kombat memories are as next week is going to be a big, big week. We're going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier Episode 4. We might dive a little bit more into Invincible, depending on how much further we get and what they do, on top of what we're geeking out on next week. And then we are going to talk all about, like I said, Mortal Kombat, the Paul Anderson uh, 1996 flick, which is currently streaming on Peacock. So make sure you guys go check that one out before next week. Definitely watch it if you have not seen it. Good movie right there. One of my guilty pleasures. It's it's extremely still watchable. <laughs> extremely yeah. still yeah. watchable. All right, but that's going to do it for this episode. So until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Don. And thanks for listening to the Raised a Geek podcast. Where all we speak is geek. <laughs> <laughs>